the Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, episode 536 for Sunday, January 18th, 2015. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where the tea is hot today. Holy cow, that tea is hot. I, I went with hot tea for the uh, for the show and sipped it during the intro, and uh, and it got me. This is the show where you send in your questions about Apple stuff, you send in tips, you send in your cool stuff found about tech stuff in general, really. And we share it all, we talk about it, we try to answer your questions, and all together the goal is to learn Lots of new things each and every time we get together. Our sponsor for this episode is Barebones Software at barebones.com, makers of BB Edit and Yojimbo. We'll talk about those later on in the show here, here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in icy, <laughs> rainy, it's a mess out here, man. <laughs> uh, fearful Connecticut. Uh, this is John F. Braun. Yeah, man. My, my commute to uh, the TMO Towers East here was treacherous today. So much so that I, I thought we were going to have to cancel the show, but, uh, but I made it. How your commute? What's that? How many feet? Uh, it's about 70 across the driveway, I think, is, is what, we've, what we've counted. <laughs> Maybe well, not. You, you got skates in the house. Couldn't you have gotten the skates out? Dude, you haven't seen me on skates. I, you know, I played pond hockey as a kid, but, uh, but I'm not so good on skates these days. But today, the skates probably would have been the, the safest way to get from the, uh, from the house to the office. <laughs> it was pretty bad out there. But, uh, so, uh, but thankfully, we don't have to drive, so that's a good thing. Hopefully, nobody out there that's listening live at MacGeekGab.com slash stream had to drive or has to drive anywhere if you are in an area uh, like the Northeast where... It's just spitting ice and the temperature is like 25 degrees. It's not good. It's not good, but that's okay. Uh, John, this is, I, I do have an announcement to make though. This is likely the last week that we'll be recording Mac Geek Cab on the computer that I have in front of me. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> newsflash, huh? <laughs> So retiring? Um, no, yeah, we're retiring something. Uh, or we're, ah, we're, we're good news. I think so. So, uh, you know, when I had those problems with the iMac down uh, down in the office, I started thinking, okay, well, you know, it is out of warranty. It's past its three years, so you know, maybe it's time to get some new blood in the system here uh, and start passing things around. And specifically, I started thinking about this computer up here in the studio, which uh, CPU wise is, 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 I mean, it's the way Apple has written core audio makes it such that we need more CPU than we have up here. We didn't seven years ago, you know, when we put this computer into, into service here, but that's a long time for the computer to be doing anything, even though it's doing exactly the same thing we wanted it to do seven years ago, the OS has changed. So we need more CPU. It's just the way it works. And uh, so I figured, well, when Retina iMacs go on uh, on the, the refurb store and they come down a little bit, then maybe I'll buy one of those for my desk and I'll roll the 27 inch, you know, I, 2011 i7 iMac up here. And uh, and so they did. They went on the refurb store on Friday. I don't know if they're still there. We will link to it, of course. And uh, that plus some help from a friend on the inside with a little bit of extra discount uh, got me a, I honestly forget what I paid for it. Um, 
off the top of my head, but the, I got the obviously 27 inch 5K Retina iMac coming to the office with uh, the 4 gigahertz i7, the 512 gig SSD, and 16 gigs of RAM, and uh, and it should uh, it should be here tomorrow. So probably by the next time we record this show, I will have you know rolled everything around and should be recording on the the 20 uh, uh, you know the quote unquote old 27 up here. So I'm looking forward to that. Should be a fine. It should be a fine machine. I'm looking forward to the Retina display. It will, it will be my first computer with a Retina display, but not my first device. Right, because that would be your iPhone. My yeah, one of my iPad. Right, correct, correct, correct. So well, yeah. I kind of had a disaster, Dave. Can you I did? tell you about my disaster? Which no, I, I uh, no, I want to tell you about the disaster. Go. I fixed the disaster. So um. Some of you may have seen, so I, so I actually was, uh, you know, Twittering about something that uh, I revisited because there was a good reason I revisited it. And it's something called Backup Loop. And this is one of several tools that will let you look at what is in your time machine backup. Now, why was I doing that, you may ask? Well, the reason is, is because I just recently made a change to my uh, uh, new refurb here. And then I'm like, you know what? Everything's working great. So you know what I should do? I should install Yosemite Server. <laughs> Well, wow. I, uh, uh, right. It's like, John, don't you know better? You know, wow. Everything's working. So why are you screwing things up? Right. Well, if it I'm ain't broke, server. fix it till it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, I added Yosemite server. You know, you can get it if you're part of the dev, dev program or you right. can, I think right now, purchase it for, you know, 20 bucks, which, uh, you know, to me for all that it offers is, is a pretty reasonable price. Then I started noticing, and that's why I got backup loop. Then I started noticing that my time machine backups were getting rather large mm. like they were saving like on the order of like tens many tens of gigabytes per backup that i use another tool that has been you know updated as of late uh, uh, time machine editor but i noticed that at every backup david would say that it's it's backing up tens of gigabytes i'm like what is going on and i finally found out what was going on what was going on once i ran backup loop uh, which basically takes your time machine backups and lets you index them and shows you mm. what is being backed up for each backup and also shows you the size of them. Well, for some bizarre reason, Dave, um, apparently Yosemite server has a little um, uh, bug, which I, I know is a shocker for people that are running Yosemite that there are any bugs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, call Marco. Here's what was happening. Yeah. So, once I ran this tool, it was showing me that there was literally hundreds of gigabytes being backed up from uh, library server wiki. I'm like, I'm not even running that, but apparently it's a, it's a known bug in that for whatever reason, it goes out of control and creates hundreds of gigabytes of backup files. Cause all of a sudden I looked at my SSD and it was like, dude, you have like 300 gigs free. I'm like, wait a second. I, I got a one terabyte SSD and all of a sudden I got 300 free. Who, who's taking all this space? Well, it was a uh, uh, Yosemite server. Uh, the wiki component was kind of going out of control. So, you know, huh. so by using this tool, I was able to find where all this, uh, you know, what was being backed up and was able to basically whack it and, uh, you know, get it in the right state here. But uh, so. So. Um, I mean, backup loop, I think is great. You know, someone actually, you know, said, well, you know, it's kind of sad that you need a tool like that. And it's like, well, it depends on why you're running it. And if you all of a sudden notice that your time machine backups are, you know, taking tens of gigabytes 
her backup when they shouldn't be, well, th- this will tell you why. So, yeah, exactly. So I was able to solve that and actually free up. Again, it was like hundreds of gigs were being taken up by this thing that was just out of control. Nice. So. That's awesome, man. That's good. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's, um, let's, you know what? Let's let Rob start things here. Rob, Rob is actually a, an old, old friend of mine, actually the brother of a friend of mine that I knew growing up and Facebook reconnected us uh, several months ago. And he wrote, he says, I'm having, I'm writing to ask your opinion on my MacBook air. I spilled coffee near it, which made its way inside through a back vent. Uh, the Wi-Fi stopped working a day later. I'm able to use Thunderbolt to access the internet with gigabit E making the device stationary. The Apple store wants 750 bucks to send it out for cleaning. Personally, I think I could remove the bottom while inverted and clean it myself. My question is whether there is some structural trick built uh, in that would cause me to damage the device and its innards just by opening it. So we talked about a lot of this, but, um, but, but it's, it's good to wrap all of this up into, you know, kind of one problem oriented bundle Uh, opening any Mac is not inherently difficult. Uh, It takes patience. And it used to be, of course, that the hard part was you didn't know what to do. Right. But uh, because Apple didn't and still doesn't publish an instruction manual that you and I typically get access to in order to open these things up. But the good news is we have the folks that I fix it and uh, and and others. But uh, but I fix it is always the first place I go. OWC's videos are good, though, uh, to to find a manual for opening something up. So with those instructions, you can open up a laptop. As you and I both know, John, I always like to say laptops are like onions, right? They're built in layers. That's true of iMacs now, too. Whereas, you know, no matter where you want to get, you might have to pull off three things to get there and, and do it safely and properly. But with patience, you can get there. Mm-hmm. Right. So so that would be one thing um, with Apple, though, you know, to hear about a seven hundred and fifty dollar repair uh, for a laptop is a little puzzling when but it might make sense. But it's a little puzzling when we know that for three forty nine, usually uh, there is the possibility of what Apple calls flat rate repair. And uh, and that's where you send it off to the genius bar doesn't do flat rate repair. You send it off uh, to uh, it used to be Austin. I don't know where it is now, um, but you send it off to an Apple facility and they go through everything and fix everything that's, that's wrong with it. It's essentially a, you know, a warranty tune up, but you're, out of warranty. So you're paying 350 bucks. So I would try that now because it was coffee damage. That might be the reason that flat rate repair did not come up in your conversation at the genius bar. They can take a computer in for flat rate and then send it out. Uh, but you might have better luck just calling Apple care, you know, the, the 800-275-2273 number and see if, uh, if you can, get that person to agree to take it under flat rate repair. And if you do, they'll send you a box. So that's, um, that's my feeling, but you could open it up. I don't, I don't know that opening it up. I don't know what I would do in that situation. If it was a, you know, coffee damage, um, the coffee can be, you know, it's a good cleanser depending on how strong it was. Right. So th- this may be irreparable harm, at least in terms of what you or I could do in our homes to repair it. But I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, especially depending on what you have in your coffee, I, I would I would say that coffee without any adulterants is probably the least harmful. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 acidic. But once right? you start adding, well, once you start adding milk or sugar, then you get oh, yeah. Sure. Then because they both yeah sugar sugar and electronics don't really in, in theory pure water shouldn't hurt anything but uh, you know you're hardly ever going to get pure water even your water water right, right right sure it's got stuff in it minerals that makes it conductive and all that but stuff. um yeah but I had one too where I actually had you know it made me very sad because it was one of my favorite beers that I dumped you know quite a bit of in one of my machines and of course uh. Uh, beer has alcohol, which is basically sugar. And yeah, it got all sticky. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a disaster. Huh? So if yeah. you're going to well, spill something in your computer, if you just poured isopropyl alcohol in your computer, that wouldn't be bad though. No, I don't think the alcohol was your problem. I think it's the, the, you know, sugarized yeast and, or not yeast, but you know, hops and all of that stuff. That's yes. probably more of the issue in beer. Yeah. Yeah, because once it dried and all that, I mean, everything was was sticky and right. Yeah, sticky. alcohol by itself will just evaporate. That's not so much yeah, a problem. Right. Yeah, that's you know. But if alcohol, if the alcohol is the vessel, and it brings all this other crap in there, and then it evaporates, now you've got all that crap stuck, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that I would I would investigate flat rate repair because my guess, Rob, is that there is some electronic damage that has already happened that has rendered your Wi-Fi useless. And, um, but you know, if you, if you want to take it apart, take it apart. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fun. I guess that's your thing. Want to take us to Kaz, John rock. The Kaz bra is what I'm going to say. All right, go. And actually, yeah, someone in our our room pointed out that uh, alcohol is not sugar, but the body metabolizes it. There you go. Good point. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's not a bite. A computer is not usually a biological system, right? (laughs) It's not a carbon-based life form, so it's not going to convert that into sugar. That's true. Right. That's true. So Kaz has a good question, and I think I had a good answer. And then we have a, we'll uh, we'll, 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 uh, color the answer. Sure. So Kaz says, hello, Dave and John. Happy New Year. I was listening to episode 531 when you mentioned that it's possible to capture YouTube videos using DigiDNA. I didn't know this was possible. I'm amazing. Right. Just to get the name right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Wait, no, that you're not. That's the wrong. DigiDNA makes I amazing, but DigiDNA doesn't let you capture YouTube videos. That's uh, that's somebody else. uh, Hmm. That's the uh, yeah. Mac X. I'm, I'm reading and not right. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no I'm, I'm trying to correct on the fly. I think it's Mac's Mac X DVD, YouTube downloader, YouTube video downloader. We'll put a link to it in the show notes just to get it right. And that way we didn't screw things up. So go ahead. Sorry. Right. Yeah. But it led Kaz to say, um, uh, well, there's something I wanted to do in that vein. And, uh, Kaz subscribes and views several sites where they stream video tutorials, mostly about Photoshop and other photography related videos. Often there's a small segment of that video that has the specific information that I want to keep for later reference. My current lo- workflow is to have a Word document open while viewing the tutorial, and I write down the timestamp of the specific segment I want to reference for later viewing. It would be awesome if I could instead capture the actual video and save that as my reference. I know it's probably illegal. Mm, probably. Yeah, um, safe bet. You, you may be you may be bending the rules here. Correct, correct. <laughs> but I feel that if I'm paying for the video tutorial, I should be able to capture those parts that are important to me, much like burning digital copies of movies I have bought and own. Can I just okay. step in there and and and, sure. and talk as someone who is not even close to uh, um, 
innocent on this particular subject in a general sense, but you have every right to whatever you have purchased. And if what you have purchased is a, you know, lifetime license to that, like if you bought the DVD or something, absolutely. But if what you have purchased is a subscription for a month at a time, then Mm -hmm. once that subscription goes away, in theory, you should throw away whatever videos you create with the methods that we're about to tell you how to do in theory. Now, again, you know, do as I say, not as I do, but I actually pretty good about that. Okay. So what I did today, which is I used handbrake to rip a uh, DVD that I had not yet watched that I borrowed from the library and then returned it today because it was due today. So that technically was probably naughty, right? Yeah, that's right. It worked great though. I know I've done it too. I've done it. (laughs) Like I said, I mean, you know, we, it's hard not to just use technology to make our lives more convenient. And in a case like what you did right there, you know, did, did you hurt anybody by doing that? No, you actually helped because now somebody else could rent that movie, but there's a license issue, right? So I don't know. It's hard to say. It's far worse if you take that video and give it to me. Right. That, yeah, that's seriously so again, for person. And as we said, personal consumption, the yeah. thing is, I just didn't get around to it. And the thing is, you can't renew certain titles. And this was one of them. It's a, they call it Express. Sure. So I'm like, OK, I didn't get around to it. I, you know, don't want to go through the hokey pokey of returning it and then checking it out again, which I guess I technically could have done. I'm just going to save it and watch it at my leisure. Yeah. Leisure. All right. So right. tangentially so, speaking, there's a video so playing Taz- in your web browser and you want to record a snippet of that. Right. Right. Now, how can you do this is basically what Cass was saying. How can I do that? Is With there the a camera on my iPhone out there? You know, there's something even better, Dave. Oh, good. <laughs> and you know, it, it gets even better than that because we've all seen cheesy videos of you taking a video or anybody taking a video of a video. It's just not. It's not that good. Not good. Yeah. And my answer to Kaz was as follows. And then, then we have a follow-up. So believe it or not, there is a basic screen recording application built right in OS ten, Dave. Did you know this? I did. You did. But Kaz, I, but I, I don't forgot. Think did. I, I, I knew it as soon as you told me. I was like, oh yeah, I knew that. But I never would have thought of it. So here's what you do. Yeah. So launch QuickTime Player by whatever means necessary. Then click on the done button because what it's going to start off with is saying, hey, would you like to load something? Then I guess the, the answer is done because you don't want to open a video. Then what you do is you go to file and there's going to be a choice. New screen recording. You choose that and then it says, OK, well, you know, here's uh, what you want to do if you want to go full screen or you want to limit the area to record. Here's how to stop the recording. And that's pretty much it. Once you start. Anything on your screen will be recorded in a happy little QuickTime movie. Um, it doesn't capture the, uh, so it's not a true uh, full featured capture in that the audio is, it will offer, it's like, hey, but by the way, you know, what audio channel would you like to capture? And your options are built in mic or line in. So oh. it's not, so it's not going to capture the audio of the vid, but it, but it sounds like uh, for what Kaz wants to do, I think this will work. That might capturing the video. Yeah, but I mean, it maybe would he capture wants the... to even annotate it. He may even want to annotate it on his own. Sure. In which case, choosing built-in microphone for the annotation on the video may actually work better for him. So here's the... something you could do, though. Um, a, it will record the audio. It'll just record and it. I know through, what you're going to say through the microphone coming from the speakers, right? right? So you've got the ambience of your room, which, like you said, in Kaz's case, might actually be a good thing because the ambience includes Kaz's voice. Um, or you could get a, a mini eighth cable 
and to mini eighth and just like hit, which is headphone to headphone and, uh, and just plug it in from your output to your input. If your Mac has separate output and input, um, uh, jacks, which not all Macs do. Some Macs have a combined jack and then that's not, it's not going to work for you. But anyway, there you go. Or yeah, no, that's all you can do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, a couple of things. So one, we just got uh, something from uh, from our chat room here saying that Firefox apparently offers um, better video capture um, options than other browsers. So that's another suggestion. Well, there. just to save, it depends. So uh, what Mac Tech Freak is saying in the room is uh, in Firefox, right click on the video in a new window, choose media, then scroll, find the video file and save it. That can work depending on how that video is being streamed to you, though. It's not necessarily a guarantee that that will work that way. Right. And then the follow up. Shall I do the follow up, Dave? Yeah. I think you had some commentary. So, so I sure. gave. Well, there's some, said, there's some better apps to do this with better apps than QuickTime player that will record the system audio and give you a whole lot more control over, you know, how you're recording and what right. you're recording. Yeah. All right. So one that I offer just because I use it on both my machines and, and, uh, it works for me, but there is a piece of software from our friends at Ambrosia called Snaps Pro 10. Um, but we don't recommend you buy it. Uh, uh, we can't. At this point, because it's, uh, yeah, because it's it's dated, uh, I, I would say they haven't done any major. Damn I it. use it because I bought it and it does my picture capture and my movie capture when I need to do it. And, and it does uh, a fine job, but yeah, as you're saying, Dave, you know, it hasn't been updated for over a year and uh, whether it's going to be updated again at all is, is questionable. I mean, it works fine on both my machines here, both my sure. Yosemite machine and my uh, uh, Mavericks machine. But um, I mean, there's a free trial. Try it. If it, yeah, that's if it does true. what you need, Hey, you know, go for it. They, they have a free trial, like, you know, any, yeah, I think any good software company and uh, you know, maybe, maybe it'll do it for you. But again, warning, it's not the latest. And, and you pointed that out when I said that to him, I'm like, well, I use this, but now yeah. your choice Dave, well, there, for, for doing screen or video capture. Um, yeah, I am. Um, go. I, I use, so I've been using, uh, uh, what, what is it? I've been using uh screen flow. And that works really well. Uh, it allow it allows so much customization. You can you actually record the whole screen, and then and you can record your your voice as a separate voiceover track and mix it all together. You can then use crop tools on the video you recorded and say, okay, I only want this part of the screen, and you can do all sorts of expansion and zooming and and all sorts of great stuff. It's not cheap; it's about a hundred bucks. But uh, I don't know what Snaps Pro 10 would sell for. Again, Snaps Pro 10 being a year and a half old, it, it works great at the moment. No indication of what's going to happen in the futures. But but I think it's quite a bit cheaper, right? I think it's less than 50 bucks. Uh, uh, I thought it was like 70 bucks. Oh, is it really? The level of the program that you get. Yeah, okay. So uh, ScreenFlow is 99 bucks. Works great. Uh, I've been really happy with it. It, it makes things so much easier uh, than I've ever had before. I also know that Camtasia for Mac is, uh, is an option too. And, and quite a few people like that. And I've actually had some folks tell me they prefer that over ScreenFlow. So we'll put both of those in the show notes. I, I feel like I'm missing something though. And uh, that there's, that there's something kind of in the, in the middle there price wise that, um, that will do this for you. But I just off the top of my head, I just can't, 
can't think of it. So hopefully somebody in the chat room will, uh, will come up with it before the show ends. Otherwise, if there's something that comes up, we'll of course add it and mention it in next week's show. Cause that's how we roll. Yeah. Yeah. I think Kaz right now is, uh, uh, weighing his options. There you go. And, uh, perfect. All right. What comes after Kaz, Dave? Yeah. We have, uh, an interesting question from Wilco, but I actually want to take a moment here first and talk about our sponsor for the show. And that is Barebones at Barebones, sorry, Barebones software at barebones.com. And very specifically their uh, BB edit. Uh, BB edit 11 is the 11th major version release of one of the, my favorite programs on the Mac. And, and I know it seems crazy to get excited about a text editor. Uh, and I have no trouble doing so because I, I couldn't, well, I could, I could, I could live without BB edit, but the world would be a, a, a worse place for it. Certainly my world would be, uh, it is one of the first apps I put on any Mac that I use. I use it, uh, throughout the day. Some days I use it all day long. I compose in it. Uh, I mean, I write, uh, articles because it's just great. It's a text interface. I can put HTML in if I want. And when I do, it's got all these shortcuts and it highlights the text and it just makes that easier. I always can see my word count right there on the screen. It saves as normal text files. So I don't have any weird formatting issues no matter what I'm doing with it. Uh, if I am editing something like if you have your own website, uh, like a dream host website or something, and you, uh, want to edit manually with, uh, with over, you know, what you do is you download the files, edit them on your computer and then upload them. And you'd use FTP to do that uploading and downloading. Cause that's how that works. Well, that's fine. And BB edit lets you do that. It, they've got an FTP client built right in and it, it, it basically takes the place of, and looks just like the open and save dialogues that you'd have. So once you get a document open, if it's opened over FTP and you want to, you, know, you make some changes and you want to upload it, what do you do? You hit save command S and it uploads it because that's saving back to the server. So it really does some cool stuff. It keeps local backups. Uh, in BB Edit 11, they added new syntax coloring. And one of my favorite things is they added and they changed the user interface for uh, finding changes between two versions of a document. So if you've got two versions of a document, you open them both uh, and then, and actually you don't even have to open them both first. You can kind of point now and, and it makes it much more s smooth and fluid. And now it's in one interface where you see one window where you see both documents and you can scroll through. And when you scroll through one, the other scrolls two, and you can click on the list of changes and see what's there. Uh, it's really, really smooth. And I use that quite a bit and it's a really handy feature. So you got to check it out. And that's the best part is you can go check it out for free uh, at barebones.com. And once you've got it, it's 50 bucks. Uh, once you're hooked, which won't take long if you're like me and you use it all day, 50 bucks. So there you go. That's uh, BB Edit from Barebones Software at barebones.com. And uh, tell them we sent you. Tell them we said hi and tell them thanks for being sponsors of this show. We really appreciate it. All right, John. Now, Wilco. He says, uh, I would like to combine a cool thing found with a question. Oh, we'll talk about his cool thing found another time. Uh, he says, the question is I'm working on polishing uh, my backup strategy and a recommendation I read somewhere is to include the library folder of a user as well. 
Uh, when I configured my backup to add the library, the scanning of the folder took an awful lot of time, like 30 or 40 minutes compared to a typical under a minute for other folders. What I found is that most of the time was spent in the home library containers folders. If I understand this correctly, every subfolder in there has aliases to the user's data folder and the data subfolder. Uh, Typically for my situation, there's a subfolder for Lightroom that contains the actual database or Lightroom, which has a humongous number of subfolders. My question, is it safe to leave out all of these data subfolders in containers? So containers, this is a great question. Uh, containers are the OS 10 sandbox. And the way Apple kind of did this to make it work, every application or not every, but most applications are going to look in your user folder and inside your user folder, you expect to see documents, uh, you expect to see desktop, and you also expect to see library. And then inside library, you might have application support where an application can go dump its own files. You might have in the preferences folder, an application might want to dump preferences in there. When sandboxing came around, the idea was, well, apps shouldn't be able to see each other's data. Hence the term sandbox. You play in your sandbox. I play in mine and we ne'er shall meet. But they had to recreate what that looks like to the applications. And so inside this home library containers folder, you can go see there'll be folders in there for each app. And when you go into those, each of them looks kind of like a, a, a fresh copy of your home folder. And some of the things actually point to is, as Wilco alluded, point to other things in your home folder. And that's great because, again, it gives these apps what they're expecting to see without letting them touch each other's data. And especially without letting them touch each other's preferences and things like that. But that's a problem when you have a piece of third-party backup software. And I'm not sure what, um, what software Wilco is using here. If it doesn't, if it's not programmed to be aware of how the library folder works, especially the containers folder, it, it will see multiple copies of your data and potentially will just keep backing them up. So, yeah, in this instance, but I, but I don't think there's a one size fits all answer here. It, you clearly uh, know what you're doing. You know why you're seeing this, Wilco. You, you, you completely understand what's going on. My advice to you is, yes, omit the data folder for the ones that are in there, but it's going to require some management. Uh, you know, you're going to have to go in as you add new apps and and tweak the way you've got that set, because there might be some apps that don't just point to whatever your copy is. They might have to create their own data folder inside containers. And, and then you do want to back that up. So um, you're going to have to create rules and exceptions. It's just, it's just how it's going to work. Right. Yep. All right. Any thoughts on that, John? No, I told you my thoughts regarding backup before. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, sometimes you got to do. Well, like I said, yeah, you you may have to get a tool that that shows you what what the heck is your backup programming backing up. Yeah, well, it sounds like he figured that out, and it's not good. Right? Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, Andy writes. Oh, this is a question near and dear to my heart, or at least near and dear to my office. Uh, I have a 2011 27 inch iMac with the stock one terabyte hard drive. The system has been problem-free since 2011, although I've added more RAM and it works fine. The hard drive also seems to run fine, although its boot-ups have been re reduced to, well, much slower than I would like. Uh, my plan is to add a 512 gig or one terabyte SSD to act as the system drive, transfer everything that I need to that drive, and then nuke and pave the main hard drive for backup or data storage. My inquiry thus is twofold. 
Number one, what makes the most sense hardware cost risk wise? There are, of course, many options. I could do a one to one swap and just take the hard drive out and put an SSD in. I could have dual internal drives, which, yes, you can uh, with an asterisk or replace the optical drive. But I'd like to hear your thoughts. I'm pretty handy, but I've yet to crack this iMac open. Number two, more puzzlingly, what's the best way to make sure I get all and only the stuff I need to the new system drive? I made a bootable flash drive with the OS, but migration assistance seems too vague for everything else. I'd prefer to move only the software and data I want. Okay. So, yeah, migrating, this is is interesting because I have, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I have a 2011 iMac. Now, when I ordered it, this was pre-Fusion Drive days, uh, and my machine remains pre-Fusion Drive, but it has both an SSD, a 256 gig SSD and a one terabyte spindle in there. So there is room in your 2011 iMac for an SSD to be mounted in there. Um, the, uh, the issue is that adding an SSD to a machine that didn't come configured with one typically means that you don't have the mounting points under the optical drive to do that. Uh, you can look online and some crafty individuals have actually used uh, stick on Velcro to to do this and ssd drives for those of you that haven't handled them are extremely light i think you mentioned that in the last show john that you felt like well, what is this thing i'm holding it feels like a, a cracker <laughs> you know um so holding it up with velcro is fine i mean you got to be a little concerned about heat melting the 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 velcro glue uh the optical drive well it might get hot if you use a lot but the ssd very very well might get hot but other than that that tends to work for people um replacing the hard drive or the optical drive that are you know that are in there and by putting the ssd in place of them would probably be the most robust way of doing it and getting the ssd internal um if it were me i would do the velcro thing uh, if i were going to crack it open but all because because that way you get everything you know optical hard drive and and ssd but the thing is every one of those requires opening up that machine and more specifically closing it and more specifically, getting dust off of the inside of a 27-inch diagonal piece of glass and the outside of a 27-inch diagonal piece of glass that is the screen simultaneously and then getting the cover back on. This is a trick. Uh, you're probably going to want to buy one of those silicon roller things that I mentioned uh, that Apple told me about. But even still, this is not an easy thing. You will not get all the dust off. Apple doesn't even get all the dust off. Um, the good news is, even when you know there's dust in there, you can't see it. This screen that is in front of me right now, I know, has dust that I left in there, and I'm looking for it and can't find it. But it is, you know, there is a risk when you open up the computer, right? Uh, I would actually consider an external drive uh, in this case. And and the reason is you have a ton of options with that. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Thunderbolt. Or USB 3, but you'd have to do USB 3 via Thunderbolt because the 2011 iMac doesn't have USB 3. It's only got USB 2. But you could get one of those little, you know, what is it? It's a $70 or $80 adapter from Kinex that gives you a Thunderbolt to USB uh, 3 sort of mini dock, if you will. And uh, and it works, it, you know, that, that would work well for you. Uh, you, you might just want to go with a Thunderbolt drive. Uh, to do that. They have enclosures that are, you know, that have both Thunderbolt and USB three, for example, like the, uh, you know, Buffalo's got one. Seagate's got one. The C's got their rugged drives that do that. But I would, I would definitely consider going external in in this case. I, I don't see, it's not like your computer's going to move around a lot. It's a 27 inch iMac, right? You, you're not putting it in your backpack and taking it to school. Um, so I, I, you know, I think 
I think going external here solves a lot of problems and it also solves that. Well, it is a three-year-old machine. Yes. I'm adding a, you know, five twelve gig SSD to it. Uh, what if I want to migrate that? What if the machine dies in, in a month and I, now I want to take this SSD and migrate it somewhere else. Uh, you know, you've got it. That's easy to do at that point. So I would, I would go external and I, you know what I do, John, um, I'll turn this into a, a mini review, although it's a pretty, pretty easy thing. Uh, I got the chance to check out the new OWC. Uh, I've got one of the new OWC Thunderbolt docks, the Thunderbolt two dock that they just came out yeah, with. I saw that. Oh, yeah. It looks pretty sweet, dude. This is the thing, right? And it's, it's not, you know, it's not cheap. It's the right price. Uh, it's, I think it's two forty nine if you pre-order it now, which makes it, uh, especially now compared to kind of all the Thunderbolt one docks that we talked about over the summer makes it the most expensive of those. But here's what you get. You get two Thunderbolt two boards. So, so it can do pass through one goes to the computer. One goes to whatever you want it to go to HDMI gigabit, ethernet, firewire, 800 audio in and out and five count them five USB three ports on this thing. Uh, two of which automatically have, high, you know, uh, a 2.1 amp charging on them. This thing's killer. Uh, it's really, it's the dock to beat all docks. And it, it, it really takes a computer and it, like the 2011 iMac and totally advances it into, you know, today's world, five USB three ports, friggin' awesome. Um, so you could hang a Thunderbolt drive off of this, although you, you know, you wouldn't get this just to hang a, a Thunderbolt drive. Cause you've already got Thunderbolt in the computer. You've got two ports on that one. So, uh, but for USB three, this is killer. Um, if all you need it for is a single drive, it's too much. But you probably will wind up using it for other things. And really, for a laptop owner, this is killer, right? You plug in, you've got monitor and everything else. I love it. I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic thing. So, so there's your options. I, but I would definitely go external. I'd probably go USB three because you don't need to buy a drive. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to get a Thunderbolt dock anyway, I'd go USB three. If you're not, then I would get a drive that does Thunderbolt. You're going to be buying a Thunderbolt port one way or another here, uh, just to get the speed you want out of that mm. SSD. So that's mm. my thoughts. Dave, I have a final thought. Go. We, we kind of totally blew past this and uh, sure. I blame you I, as well. You should, <laughs> but I blame myself a bit because you know, we're talking about the latest technology and of course, you know, being geeks here, you know, our uh, part of our job is to keep up with the latest technology. But to me, I saw a question buried in, in this cry for help. Yeah, go. My system's slowing down. I have a rotational hard drive. How could I possibly make this better in the short term? I'm going to offer a solution. And I think, okay, you know what I'm going to say, Dave, yeah. but I'm going to tell you. The problem is rotational hard drives suffer from a phenomenon that SSDs do not call fragmentation. Yep. And that the more you use them, because they're kind of like, think about a rotational hard drive as kind of like a record player. Well, what? A record player. <laughs> oh, right. like that I'm, thing. I'm I, sorry. I set one up I'm in my sorry. office last week. You know, and that's the funny thing. What's old is new. So, so Dave is is getting retro and and has a. Uh, so, so for those that aren't familiar with the technology, and then I'll, I'll try to bring us back on track here. Um, a record is an analog audio storage device, right? Yeah. Vinyl. 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's an analog audio storage device, and then you use this thing called a record player that has a needle that then pulls the data, and it's all analog. It's it's a it's pretty happening, and uh, it yeah, can sort of. uh, sounds like and crap. it can. Uh, well, you know, it depends. Yeah. It depends on the quality of it the does. recording and the quality of the needle and and your turntable. Right. But the right. thing is, it can you're sound thinking good. about a rotational hard drive. The thing is, is that there is something called the head, which is like a needle. Which is like a needle that reads from, and it is like a record. It's a platter. And the problem is it has to move back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to read data. Now, when your drive is fresh and new, the data will get laid out in a sensible way. And that if you write a file, it will get laid out in areas that are contiguous. And so when you write them and you read them again, it's going to happen as fast as it can. But as time moves on, because the drive... And the operating system, but I guess the operating system really, for the most part, unless, you know, you, you, you are a OS wizard, um, doesn't really think about efficiency as far as where it lays the data out. It's oh, like, I'm just going to lay it out wherever. No, 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 that's not true. Well, well I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, um, Apple yeah. and others have included, I think, hot. So, so yeah. some operating systems include technology that will try to put everything in in a place where the data is reduces it reduces the so, possibility that the head is going to be uh, the, the problem is if if the head of your hard drive like the needle of a record player has to jump all over the place that's going to make your system sluggish right so uh, no you're you're correct i, let, I think it was let me let me try notes. and let me try and Go. encapsulate this so if you have a file that is small and it only takes up one chunk of the drive that's easy right the needle goes the, the head goes, reads the, 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 the one chunk for the file, and that's it. Everything on the hard drive is, is in chunks or blocks. Well, if you have a large file and it takes up five blocks, and, and five might not actually be that large, but for the sake of argument, it takes up five blocks. If the drive is relatively free, when the system writes that file out, it's going to put all five of those blocks connected to each other right together. So the head goes to the beginning one, drives along all five, reads the file. No problem. The problem is that John's pointing out that does happen over time is we put stuff on our drives. We take it off. We create weird little holes of data all over the drive. And so it might be that we don't have five blocks next to each other. In fact, we've only got two next to each other and then three scattered elsewhere. So now the head is jumping all over the place to get this one file. And that is what you're hearing when you hear the drive grinding and all that stuff. That's what's going on is the head is jumping all around and it makes reading files slow. So how do you solve this problem, John? I've got data scattered all over the drive. It's not organized anymore. How do I reorganize? Well, you know, it would be great if somebody wrote some software that could do something called. So I'm going to call what you what you just said, Dave, fragmentation. Yeah. And that data is scattered about. Wouldn't it be great if somebody wrote some software that does something called defragmentation? And off the top of my head, Dave, you and I both know that our friends at ProSoft, yeah. um, a component of Drive Genius is a defragmentation operation, which basically I think uh, uh, what it does is, now my only concern is, you know, for a while I was nervous about defragmentation software because the problem is if it gets interrupted or something terrible happens, like the power goes out and the, the so what it does is it basically rearranges all of the data on your drive so that it is in nice little contiguous blocks. And with a mechanical drive or a rotational drive, that is the best 
scenario because the head doesn't have to jump all over the place. Uh, that my only caution is, oh my goodness, make a backup. Because the thing is, if that process gets interrupted, you could have a, a wonky uh, drive. So here's the thing, though. Is that the technical term. It the is. thing is, no, it, totally. you, you could experience. You could experience uh, if something bad happens during the process. You could have a drive that is then uh, a brick. Yeah, that's right. So here's the thing, though. OS 10 does do some defragmentation internally, as we mentioned. They, uh, OS 10 calls it hot files management, and it, it does. It tries to identify smaller files that are used frequently, and it puts them at the beginning. This is very similar but not nearly the same uh, at in practice or sorry, in purpose as the fusion drive, right? Where you've got an SSD and a spindle drive married together as one volume. And it tries to store things that you need access to uh, quickly. Are they, the, so are the, they smart about what they put on the SSD oh, in, yeah. in, with the goal of being to make your, your experiences? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's the whole point. Nice. Yeah. I know it's good, right? It still scares the heck out of me, but whatever, it's good. Um, <laughs> And well, it's a mystery as to how it does what it does. It's right? not a mystery, but it's or, or why it does what it does. Yeah, it's maybe it, it repairing it. It gets difficult. That's what scares me about it is it. It's very difficult to repair. In fact, most of the time you just have to say there's no repair, you know, restore from a backup kind of thing. And that's the part that, you know, as the geek in me say, whoa, spend a little bit more money and get an SSD that's big enough and you're good. But anyway, which is what I did with my new iMac. I almost bought the one terabyte SSD and then just couldn't convince myself that it was worth it. Um, I, I'm sure I'm what? wrong. I'm sure I'm wrong. No, I was, oh, I was from, really close. from Apple. But yeah, the built in, right. I got oh, the built okay. in five twelve. No pricing was fine. Pricing, it, pricing wasn't the issue. It just was, is it worth spending money on a one terabyte SSD for a machine? A, I know I can have, and I realized now we're on yet another tangent of our tangent, but uh, I, yes, I can, uh, I currently have a 256 gig SSD that everything boots from all my documents are on, all my apps are on, and I have pl- like 50 gigs free. So uh, going up to 512 will buy me some room that I don't know if I need, but I'll go there anyway. But I'd certainly just, I, there was just no reason for me to go all the way up to one terabyte on a fixed, on a fixed placement very, machine. Very interesting to hear you say that, Dave. Yeah, because I I can attach experiences. I can been, attach drives. You can never have you can never have too much mm. SSD or RAM. But it sounds like you made the decision that maybe you can. Yeah, well, no, you totally can. Too. Yeah, no, I I think two fifty six <laughs> is is what most people need. I really do for for an SSD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I violently disagree. With I know. You. No. No, I I know. Well, because I have my Mac Mini and I'm running out. I'm I'm reaching the limits. Well, it's, it's a management headache, which is what the fusion drive actually solves. Yes. Right. That that's the point. So, but anyway, you know, I think, um, to to get back here and wrap this all up (laughs) for, for, uh, for Andy, (laughs) I don't think this is a good idea. I, I, yes, you can defragment a drive and listen, if, if, if you're in this scenario, where you have a spindle drive that's slowed down, it's absolutely worth doing a backup of it and, and defragmenting it. But I, I think it, there's a law of diminishing returns on it. And this, now I'm going to get into my crazy crackpot theories. Remember, I don't necessarily believe in every conspiracy theory, but I emotionally support all of them. I believe in this one, uh, although I have no facts to back it up whatsoever. But my theory is that Apple has put less and less effort, especially with Mavericks and Yosemite, 
into optimizing the OS for spindle drives. I don't think they test it on spindle drives anymore. I don't think anybody cares about how it runs on spindle drives anymore. SSD is the way of the world at Apple. And uh, what we've seen, again, it started with Mavericks and it certainly carries through to Yosemite, perhaps even worse, uh, is that these OSs just don't run well on a spindle drive. It's, they run much better on an SSD. And, and I can speak to that on a machine that came with a spindle drive and worked great with like whatever it was leopard or whatever we get. Maybe it was before that tiger. Right. Um, and, and then as we got to like Mavericks, it's like, no, this, this thing's just not going to function. And I put an SSD in and the world, you know, opened up and it was fine. Other than the core audio CPU thing. We're, we're past that now. The, the money's already been spent. The computer's coming. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so I really, I, I think, you're you you're the path you're heading down, Andy, adding the SSD is the right path for the future for you, for the present mm-hmm. and for the future. And it's again, based on one of my totally crackpot theories, but I don't think I'm a crackpot on this one on this one. I don't think I'm a crackpot. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll submit that I'm a crackpot, just not on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And there's no argument coming in folks. You, you, yeah. Okay, uh, let's see. David wrote in uh, in Mac Geek Up 535. He says, I was surprised to find that you discussed in your last podcast the very issue I was having problems with earlier this week, i.e. the inability to empty some trash items deleted from an external drive. After unsuccessfully spending a day trying to remove five files and a folder from the trash on my 27-inch uh, Yosemite running iMac, I listened to your show and I tried the suggestions you had as well as some others. Everything I tried was uh, doing the change flags. No, you change command. You mentioned using trash it. Uh, I used the command pseudo RMRF trashes. I killed the processes dedicated to crash plan thinking that might be locking the files. I did all the easy stuff like booting in safe mode and doing all the above. Plus, you know, the option key and emptying trash. Finally, none of those worked, by the way. Finally. Yeah, I know. Finally, he says just I mean, for three is a charm, but this is five and it still didn't work. That's I'm, right. I'm, I'm baffled. He what, says, what? Finally, just for grins, I ran disk utility and verified the disk only to find that the disk needed to be repaired. I ran the repair function and immediately afterwards, the files disappeared from the trash without any intervention on my part. Thought I'd pass this on to you as another option in case your listeners are still having trouble after trying all of the above. Uh, this is really, this is great wow. advice because everything we talk about here, uh, well, not everything, but a lot of what we do here, we assume that your file system is intact, right? I mean, certainly for, you know, for answering that question, we could probably go back through the last, you know, 10 years of shows, how many times we've suggested, Hey, wait a minute. You, you might have a file system problem as opposed to trying to solve it with some, you know, very esoteric and, and, and problem specific solution. It's very easy for us geeks to jump straight into problem specific solutions, as opposed to saying, Hey, wait a minute, you know, uh, how is the system's overall health? And it's a good thing. In fact, as soon as I got his email, I went and uh, verified all my discs uh, on my machine because you forget, it's easy to forget about. And, uh, and it's important to do this. You know, I, I put this on the, you should do it every three months. So make sure you do it every six months kind of thing with your Mac. 
uh, making sure to do a, ver a verify and repair of the disc and, and just sort of, you know, let everything do the safe mode thing, booting in safe mode once every, you know, three months, not a bad idea. It cleans out some caches. You know, it's kind of like a, uh, Onyx light, if you will, but it does a lot of the same stuff. So yeah, that's good stuff, David. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the intentional note and the unintentional reminder that we need to do this sort of maintenance on our machines on a regular basis. <sighs> Thoughts on that, John? Eh, you don't do I the maintenance. You didn't have, well, you know, I, I, I gotta say, honestly, sometimes it gets to a point where uh, how much maintenance should your average Joe or Jane or Jack <clears throat> or whatever your name is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. How much, how much of this stuff should, you know, it, can, it can I answer the question sometimes? Because I think I actually have an answer. I know you're being rhetorical. Well, no, because I'm well, no, I'm uh, because I'm thinking of people like, for example, my mom, which I've, I've yeah. helped with. So she actually had a printer meltdown. And actually, I got to say, mom, you did a great job, though. She doesn't listen as far as I know to the podcast. <laughs> but mom had a uh, the thing is, oh, my gosh, dude, if it wasn't for team viewer, I, I think oh, yeah. I'd be a lot more upset because the thing is, you know, my mom, probably like your parents and like most parents, the thing is. They're of another age and, and we, I, I try, you and I try our best Dave to speak normal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But even when I think I'm speaking normal, uh, English, um, parents don't get it. Sure. Mom doesn't get it. Sure. You know? And I'm like, uh, uh, so, you know, as soon as she calls me with a computer problem, I'm like, start up team viewer. <laughs> right. Right. Let me remotely come into your computer and let me see for myself what the problem is. But she had a problem with the printer. You know, she was yeah. like, oh, the printer's not working. You screwed something up the last time you connected my computer. I'm like, well, no, I didn't. She's That's like, well, so I, tell it, I tell it to go ahead. Go. No, I was going to well, I was going to well, get it back on track, but th there's no point in that today. <laughs> <laughs> We're both guilty like, of this. It's, so it's I tried not you. To print, she's like, I tried to print with my printer and I told it to print. And it printed three pages with nothing on them. And you did something to do. That. And I'm like. Well, no, I didn't. No, the computer is doing exactly, and the printer is doing exactly what it was being told. The problem is, your printer's broken. Oh, and it was. Yeah, sure. What happened is her printer was shot. Yeah. And actually, I got to say, hats off to mom. She went to Staples. Now, here, hilarious story here. So she's like, but I have this tangent of the tangent for those of you following along. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, but I have these ink cartridges that I bought for the old printer, that, which actually me, me and my sister bought for mom. You know, it was all in one. And, uh, you know, it was great while it worked, but then all of a sudden it failed. I think the printhead just totally rolled over and died. She's like, what about my old ink cartridges? I'm like, well, you know, were they HP? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. So she went to Staples. As she walked into Staples, the alarms went off. <laughs> because she bought the mail order from HP and they hadn't deactivated the EAS tags. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That's crazy. She's walking into a store and the and theft things alarm go off. goes off. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's how. It so number one, she was able to return. Um, and yeah, I think it was the staples. Number one, she was able to return these cartridges unopened HP branded um, for more than I think she paid for them. It's like, go oh, mom. And number two, they offered her a, uh, 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 she bought a new HP all in one and, and it works swimmingly. Uh, the only weird part is I had to, we installed the driver because whatever she did, I think she did an air print driver install. So she, she did, she got pretty far along, but it would only insist on printing in black and white. And I'm like, okay, let, let me log in. Let me check it out. 
And I think AirPrint, for whatever reason, the AirPrint driver for this printer just is dumb. So I'm like, no, no, let's hook it up via USB. And then everything was great. But um, it was just kind of a funny story. That's funny. No, it's good. I like it. It's good. All right. So are we going to get back to our tangent of the tangent? How much maintenance should we do? How much maintenance should your mom do? You know, the thing is, she's never done any maintenance. Yeah. I'm sure my mom hasn't either. Right. In that I don't expect an average user, unless the OS throws up a red flag saying something seriously wrong. I don't expect your average user, nor do I think we should, Dave, to run Onyx or Disutility or uh, repair permissions or booting in safe mode. Now, because you're listening to this podcast, you know that these are good things to do on occasion to keep your system happier than it otherwise would be. And it kind of saddens me, Dave, as a, uh, and maybe you as a computer enthusiast, whether it be windows or Mac or whatever, sure. that people have to dig. Uh, then again, you know, if it wasn't for this problem, we wouldn't be, a, we wouldn't have been doing this for over a decade. That's true. For almost well, a decade, right? yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Although you can't do this on iOS and we certainly solve our share of iOS problems. Right. Um, mm. it, and, and perhaps you should need to do this on iOS because there's no reason that uh, the file system on iOS couldn't get corrupted too. Um, and sometimes it does. And that's when you get stuck and you just have to do a total nuke and pave on, on iOS far more frequently than you would on your Mac. I, I, to answer your question, as far as maintenance goes for the average user and by average user, I don't actually mean average user. I mean the average person listening to this show who's comfortable enough to try something new um, back up every day. That's easy. And you'll thank yourself once. And that's all it takes to make it worth it. Uh, every three months do a safe boot and do a, uh, a yeah. permissions repair, which actually right. happens as part of the safe boot and a, a volume, you know, the, the disc repair. And that's it. That that's all you need to do on a regular basis. I think. You can go nuts and and do a lot more and there's nothing wrong with that. But in terms of the baseline backup every day, every three months reboot in safe mode permissions repair um, and, and disc repair and safe mode is simple. As soon as you hear the chime, hold down the shift key. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Okay. Very good. Actually, mom did call me. She was like, John, I got this error message. I'm like, Oh, thank you for, can you tell me what it says? And she was like, yeah, time machine said it hadn't backed up for three weeks. I'm like, ah, okay. And we yeah. fixed it. Yeah. At the very least run time machine. <laughs> okay. Who's question? What? Where? What? What's going on here, Dave? <laughs> All right. You want to take us to Brent? Yeah. Take us to Brent. Yeah. All right. Now, Brent, Brent, All right. you went through Brent, a long Brent, ordeal Brent. with Brent. But you got well, you know, a nugget of advice right. out of it. Here's the problem with Brent. So Brent wrote in and he said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to encapsulate what, 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 what the sure. deal is with Brent is. So Brent started looking in the console. Now, if you don't know what the console is, I'm not sure if we should open Pandora's box here, Dave. See, the problem is, here's the problem with Brent. And no, Brent, I'm not saying you have a problem. <laughs> maybe you do <laughs> the thing is he, Brent said welcome to the club I we've got looking, jackets I started looking in the console 
And I started, uh, so the console, for those that don't know, so if you, uh, the console is, I would say, not really a user thing. It's more a developer thing, or it's Mm -hmm. more for people that really want to know what the heck is my operating system doing? What is Mac OS X? And there's an equivalent on Windows and other operating systems where basically all these really uh, some un- and and many of them unimportant things are logged. It's mostly for developers and uh, you know people that develop the OS or applications. The thing is, you can open this thing called the console and look at the messages. And so Brent started looking in the console, and all I have to say, and I'm I'm being serious here, is that it is like looking into the abyss. <laughs> it will lead you. To madness, because the problem That's is true. you're going to see messages where you do not understand the context. You don't know why they are there. You don't know, uh, and a lot of the messages are put there by developers. Either, sorry, that was fun. Yeah, well, you know, I bet that was your phone, huh? It was nice yeah. ringtone. No, or, that or that wasn't my phone. No, in fact, my phone's muted. That was an alarm. My, uh, it, we don't have to pick up my son from Jazz Band. Jazz Band was canceled because you know. The roads are are icy death, so uh, so there you right. go. But uh, so I'm yeah, going to say is go to wrap it up. Brent saw some messages in the console, and it had the word error in it. Okay, the, yeah, I understand what you're concerned. The thing is, the all I'm going to say is the messages that he saw were the same things that I see. Now he was like, "Well, I'm running a beta version of the OS, and I see these messages. And is there anything wrong? And what should I do?" And I'm like, "Dude, stop." Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was, we, don't, don't it, look for problems. Don't look for problems. The thing is he was, I, I think he was again, good intentions, but he was looking for problems. And the thing is, if you look for problems in the console, you will find them. And my oh, advice to you is absolutely. unless you have a specific issue. And the thing is, a lot of things in the console are preceded by the name of the process or the program that is generating them. So if you have a specific problem with time machine, which you should look for messages from backup D or, and, and this is where we yeah, can help mail or whatever. Right. Yeah. You can filter right. them yeah. down, but maybe that's it, a good, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, un, unless if you're looking for something in the console, always use the filter. Right. And that'll keep you from being distracted by all the other weird esoteric messages that aren't relevant to the problem you're trying to solve. Is that good advice? Right. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. So he I saw know. MDS. He saw MDS volume errors, and I'm like, I see them too. Don't worry. Yeah. No, and it is good when you see something like that. It, you know, it is worth searching for it or asking us, and and getting some confirmation as to okay, is this bad or is this normal? Because there's a lot of stuff in the console. You know, to 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 restate what you just said, John. There's a lot of stuff that looks really bad. That's not bad at all. It just is the way a developer wanted to throw a message to themselves. That's what the console is. A lot of it is messages that developers leave for themselves, not for you. What gets me sometimes, Dave, as a developer, I'll see things in the console that get me is that they are notes from operating system processes saying, don't use this anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, a this lot is of times, de- deprecated. The, the, don't use me. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is when I see those messages coming from the operating system that I'm currently using, I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. All right. Are are we untangented here? I think we're, we're uh, yeah. I, I think, I actually, I really like the way the show went um, in terms of. Oh my God, what? I know. Are, we're crazy. I, I was all ready for. I'm telling you, page. man. I know. But we're done. I know. Well, I like I liked where we went. We we went deep on sort of our reasons behind things and uh, the, the why behind the geeks what, if you will. And uh-huh. right? Where? Huh? Hello? <laughs> Who? What? Who? Why? What? Where? I think that has. Is this an Abbott and Costello skit? That's I fun, don't know man. who's on first. That's right. And I think that may be part of the title for the episode. That's right. Yeah. No, it's it's uh I liked I liked this. This was good. Hopefully you liked it too. Good stuff. Every now and then we do a show that uh that's for Random us. Random chaos. Well, yeah, but it it's I you know, I I, <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's good. All right. Uh, we want to tell you how to get in touch with us, though. If you have your own random chaos, Dave, that you want to loop Dave, us. Dave, is there in. something? I, I think there's something new. What? What do you? Oh, you are yeah. a social media maniac as of late. Because what did you just do, or we did? Well, I'll, you did it. Sure. What did you do, Dave? Why did I created, you do this? I created a make make. Hello, I made a oh. Mac Geek Gab Facebook group. And uh, we've had our Facebook page there for a while. We've had our Google Plus profile. Plus, at Google Plus, we've had the Google Plus group, which does astoundingly well. You know, we're, we're, we're racing towards a thousand participants and a lot are active. It's crazy over there. But Facebook is like, what, 10, 15 times the size of Google Plus. It started to dawn on me that it, this is crazy that we don't also. So this is not going to replace the Google Plus group, um, but we don't also have a group over at Facebook. So I started one yesterday. So you can visit us there. Uh, I will make the uh, the URL macgeekgab.com slash Facebook go straight to that group. Now, it's a public group, but the way Facebook groups work, you have to ask to join Anyone in the group, including you, once you've been accepted, can allow other people into the group. And please do that. There's no reason to exclude anyone. If we've got problems with somebody, John and I are, are we're admins. And actually, we might start making some of you admins, too. Um, and, well, you know, we can we can weed that out. But but it, the door, it's arms wide open, right? You know, come on in. We'll give you a hug. You know, it, it's how it works. And and then, and the great part about the groups is the UI forum. It's better than the UI on, yeah. on our page in terms of being able to ask and answer questions. You specifically being able to ask and answer questions. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, arms wide open until you screw up. and Yeah, and then you're out right away. That's right. One strike and you're out. No. <laughs> <laughs> no we'll give you three strikes. We will. Yeah. Baseball. Baseball been very, very good to me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah, come join us there. I will. Uh, I will do that as soon as we finish here. Um, I will make that redirect happen. So, all right. So that's step one. What's step two? How do? Uh, how else do they contact us, John? We have an email address. Uh, we have a number of them, Dave. But I would say the the my favorite, Dave, is uh, feedback at MackieGab.com. No, 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 John. It's it's. Uh, I know we've been we haven't quite been doing this ten years, so it's uh, feedback at MacKeycap.com. And you know my esteemed colleague here, he still screws it up because it's feedback at MacKeycap.com. But there's another option, right, Dave? Well, yeah. What's the other option? Well, I think it's premium at MacKeycap.com. And it is. How, how does this happen? 
Well, we do have this thing called a premium program, Dave, where um, you can basically uh, give us some uh, uh, monetary incentive um, to get uh, preferential treatment when we uh, queue up your questions and answer them. Um, where, 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 where can people go for, for, for that? Yeah, MattGeekGab.com has all the information on premium. And really, it, it's set yeah. up sure. for those of you that want to support us directly. Um, and, and we do, like John said, uh, for those of you that, that can and do, uh, we have our premium at MattGeekUp.com email address where where we, um, uh, where, you know, that's we, we, we give priority to. We, we answer everything that comes in. We really do. It's, we're, we're obsessive and crazy. <laughs> and they're uh, goodies. But we really um, appreciate which, uh, it. And the, yes, the goodies. My, my sincere yes. apologies Dave, here. Dave, it's, it's not your fault. It's, uh, I, I well, blame it is. others. Yeah, yeah. Well, well okay. It, well, I mean, I'll, boss, so. I'll take the blame. Right. It, okay. It's the vendor that we've been working with for, uh, well, we worked with them for 11 Cirque de Max and several yeah. things before that mm. has really just flaked out on us. And uh, and so that's what's uh-huh. happened to the, the, the current premium gift. Um, I, I've rejiggered things. And this week is the week we're going to focus on just getting somebody Great. else to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. So you will get your goods. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen you will. The goods Thank and you. The, and the goods yeah. are good. If if you're into uh, consuming liquids. That's right. Is a, yeah. is a message here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else do we have, John? I mean, we talked about the Facebooks, uh, G Plus, uh, Twitters. Well, the Twitters, of course, because that's always well. I like Twitter. You like Twitter. I do. But if, if you are on Twitter, there are a few things. So if you want to follow me, I am John F. Braun. If you want to follow him, he's Dave Hamilton. That other guy who is piloting about is Pilot Pete. Um, the podcast is Mac Observer, and the publication is... Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. That's right. The podcast is MacEgab, and the publication is Mac Observer, all at twitter.com slash... What I just said. <laughs> and uh, while you were saying that, I fixed the uh, the redirect. So com slash Facebook goes to the group now. Uh, I want to thank oh, Michael. I want to thank Michael Johnston. Uh, he's the host of the iOS show and getappler.com. He converts the show to AAC uh, and adds all the chapters and everything like that for... Uh, for you and for us so thank you so much Michael I really appreciate it uh, we all do and I know Apple doesn't make it easy anymore but mm-hmm. your work is appreciated also the thanks to the folks at Cashfly C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com they provide all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you and everything so great folks there I do want to thank our sponsors, as I said uh, during the show, barebones.com with BB Edit. Of course, the folks at smilesoftware.com, gazelle.com to sell and buy used iOS and Mac stuff, squarespace.com slash MGG to create your own website, lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash MGG for 10 free days, and the folks at Drobo uh, and Connected Data, MGG50 gets you uh, 50 bucks off. The Gen 3 Drobo. John, you started the show. Please, if you would, end it with some lasting, very specific, but yet general advice for everyone. I think we're going to end it, especially in this day and age of rain and ice and all sorts of tragedies here. Really want to make sure that you absolutely do not get caught. 
Almeida. <risa>